before you try to, to stoke a political debate Ooh, or yes. debate of any kind. Say that. Stoke a political debate. Before you try to do that, do some research. Get some background information. Know before you tweet. I'm Mark. I'm Nick. I'm Sadie. And this is Letters to Podcast. Thank you for joining us for a new episode of Letters to Podcast. What are we talking about today, Nick? Well, Mark, I'm glad you asked. Today, we're going to be talking about woke culture, specifically um, the incident that happened a couple weeks ago with Kiki Palmer, Zendaya, and Twitter. Um, they Actually, they weren't directly involved. Well, Kiki was a little bit, but they weren't even you know, directly involved. It was more or less a conversation on Twitter about colorism in Hollywood and everyone kind of did a deep well wanted to do a deep dive and talk a little bit about some of the different ways in which Kiki Palmer and Zendaya's careers have went. So yeah. <laughs> did you see the tweets? I did. And when I was reading it, I was like, so who don't think Kiki Palmer, like I've been knowing Kiki Palmer since Akilah and the Beat. Right. And so the question was more or less people were saying that Kiki Palmer's recent role in the movie Nope was going to be her breakout role. Her breakout role. Akilah and the Beat was her breakout role. Not to mention she had her own, she started her own TV series and on Nickelodeon. She just had her own talk show that was very successful. So what's she breaking out of? And see, that's the thing. They were, I guess, trying to say that Zendaya is more mainstream than Kiki Palmer. And for a moment, you know, I struggled with that because like you, I've been following Kiki Palmer's career since like 2004 when she was in, I think, what was it? uh, Barbershop 2? Like, she had a yep. small role in that movie. For me, Kiki Palmer's breakout role was Akilah and the Bee, because that was her first feature uh, film that she did. And But what Kiki- but was that posted by... I want to know the age of the person who made the tweet, because I feel like anybody of my generation, you know, you, you just don't know her from Nickelodeon being True Jackson VP. You also know her from me. Oh, from yeah, that I definitely damn, watched that. You know her from the Jump In movie on Disney Channel. Like, right, so everybody watched that, and not even just that. I mean, she was in Medea's Medea's family reunion. She was in Joyful Noise. Mm-hmm. She was in Joyful Noise, co-starring Queen Latifah, Dolly Parton, and Courtney B. Vance. So I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. The question is whether or not Zende or Kiki Palmer is mainstream, and she is. That that kept that kept coming up. But I had to ask myself, what is it that people mean when they say mainstream? Did she break into the the white or white people watching? Right. For a lot of us, typically it's people of color, black people, people of color. It's can you cross over to the white audience? And as if that's that's supposed to be some sort of badge of honor, like we associate value getting the bag with... uh, the white, you know, having the white audience 
consume your your artistry. And you know what? There's there's some truth to that because when I looked at the definition for mainstream in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, what I got was uh, mainstream is being defined as having, reflecting, or being compatible with the prevailing attitudes and values of a society or group. So how does that factor into American society? When you think about the mainstream, especially as we were just talking about it, um, we often measure it within the backdrop of white supremacy, heteronormativity, patriarchy, and colonialism, because these are the forces that have shaped the prevailing attitudes of Western culture, and it's the cultural hegemony that dictates American life. So by that definition and that understanding um, of, main, of the mainstream, yeah, of course, when you start appealing to the white audience that, you know, the majority of this country and the people who ha- are responsible for, in many ways, of shaping our cultural attitudes, our values and things like that, then yeah, uh, Zendaya and Kiki Palmer, uh, well, Kiki Zendaya obviously has potentially had more exposure in the mainstream. And that's, if you, if you want to look at it objectively, you can measure that by the different projects that they work on, the movie budgets, and then the box office attendance. Akila and B, I think had, that was her, that was Kiki Palmer's, I, I think her feature film debut. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, I guess you could say, was I mean, Barbershop was, but this Barbara was her Shop first too. starring role. This was her first star. Yeah, she was a she was a central focus in the movie. That the the budget for that movie was uh I believe six to eight million dollars, and that's in two thousand and six money. And the the box office brought in about nineteen million dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Zendaya's uh, feature debut was in two thousand seventeen Spider Man Homecoming. The budget for that movie was 175 million, and the box office it brought in you know 800 million, almost a billion dollars. So Zendaya's movies obviously being seen by a bigger audience than Akilah Nabi was. Um, also, look at the fact that we're both black people saying this. Like Kiki Palmer's been a staple in our household since you know since Barbershop uh, Two or Akilah Nabi. I'll say Akilah Nabi. She's been on multiple uh, networks like Nickelodeon, Disney Channel. And she even had a stint on ABC when she was co-hosting the third hour of GMA with um, Sarah Hines and... um, Michael, Sarah, and Michael. Yeah. That's what it was called. You said what? It was called Michael, Sarah, and Kiki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Strahan and... uh, Yeah, so all of them were... That that was, in my opinion... (laughs) That's kind of mainstream in and of itself because ABC is a major network in this country. A large, you know, group of people watch that. But anyway, um, I don't even know if it's a it's if it's something that we should even do. You know, comparing these two these two women, Kiki Palmer was the only one that really responded to the tweets. And she said, you know, a great example of colorism is to believe I can be compared to anyone. And I sat in that for a while and I thought, yeah, in a way it is because she and Zendaya, if you want, if you want to compare their careers, 
they kind of had a similar start, you know, to some mm-hmm. degree. They both started, well, Kiki, Kiki did have her, her first roles were movies, but she ended up having a lot of, um, getting a lot of fame and attention from working on networks like Nickelodeon and Disney Channel. And so did Zendaya. Zendaya got her start on the Disney Channel as well. Yep. So they're both able to, you know, sing, dance, act. They're both triple threats. And I think that's really, and they're both, they're both black women in our society. And I honestly think that's really where you want to stop comparing them because they've acted in different genres of movies. They've worked on different projects. And I don't know if it's even fair to try to compare them when they're, you know, obviously their, their careers have had very different, you know, trajectories. Yeah, that, that's why, that's why I was like, this is, you don't, you can't compare these two. I mean, that's trying to, that's like trying to compare Jamie Lee Curtis and Nav Campbell just because they both starred in horror movies and horror slasher movies and they became slasher icons. Yes, they had similar they did similar types of movies, but that does that mean their career was exactly the same? No, because Jamie went and did a bunch of action movies and Nev Campbell decided she wanted to do indie projects, low budget mm-hmm. projects. Does that mean she's not mainstream? No, it just means that she went on she took a career in a different path. Well, she if might we're have looking- started out similarly. Like her, she her and Jamie Lee both got their jump off point from horror movies, from slasher movies. Mm-hmm. But does that mean we have to compare their entire careers together? See, we, we don't really do that with, with the white people. Well, they just that's took- because they're both operating from the mainstream. So that's, that's let's, let's, I guess we should bring it back to the original issue. Like the issue is, is there, they were saying, is this an example of colorism? I don't necessarily think it's an example of colorism only because we know that there's colorism in Hollywood. And mm-hmm. Zendaya has actually been vocal about, um, been vocal about the colorism yeah. or, and the racism in Hollywood. I yeah. don't. She gets told that she's not black enough for certain roles. Okay, yeah, that she gets told that. Um, I don't. I have Kiki Palmer had a show on BET, um, a, a talk show on BET a couple years ago. I'm trying to remember if she actually talked about some of the, you know, discrimination that sh- that she might have faced she or did. does in the industry. But I feel like you know. In many, in some ways, you can say that Zendaya has had um, more exposure to a, a mainstream audience. Kiki Palmer definitely has been more or less um, loved by black people, people of color, because she's worked. That's who's mo- what were most of her projects. That that was the target demographic for most of her projects. Although mm-hmm. I'm really shocked that having been on. Nickelodeon. I felt like Nickelodeon. Well, is isn't that considered a mainstream? Um, it is Nickelodeon's mainstream uh, network. So is, yeah, Nickelodeon is a mainstream network. Yeah. So is Disney. To, she worked for Dis, Disney Channel. She and she was the part. first black person to have to star in a first black woman to start in a show or, or young woman. She was, I think, a teenager young woman at the time to start in a show on Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yep. One of the first. I don't, I don't, cause I know we had, she's been a bunch of mainstream projects though. I mean, she was in the, she was in the last, the last season of that screen TV show. Yeah. She was on the, the, the um, and she was on screen queen. Are you talking about screen queen? You no, know, screen queens too. She was on screen queens too. Which, she, was um, queens? she was one of I the, um, I didn't watch that. On, I didn't watch it either that much. I, I didn't the watch the second season. season. I, I, I watched it. Mm-hmm. I know she was, she was in both seasons. 
Yeah, she was she was a main character. She was one of the yes, um on the on, on Fox Network alongside Emma Roberts, Leah Michelle, um Jamie Lee Curtis. Exactly. Taylor so Lutton. I think a lot of people aren't necessarily and then Kiki Palmer actually in that tweet too, she did break down a lot of the different she talked about how many roles she's been in how long she's been in the industry. The fact that she also worked on Broadway too. She was the first black Cinderella on Broadway. Yep. Mainstream. That That's mainstream in itself. That's big in itself. I think for me, Kiki Palmer may not have worked in a lot of different, cons- what, what's considered mainstream by that definition that we, do, that we, that I gave. But I do think that she's been able to work in a lot of different, um, in a lot of different industries. Like she, again, she's worked, in TV, she's worked in film, she's worked on Broadway. And in doing so, she's been able to, I guess you could say, get exposure to a, a variety of audiences. Because a, a lot of the people who go to Broadway performances aren't always necessarily watching television and movies or appreciate, not I'm going to say appreciate, like value those as much as they do um, the theater. You know, it, it's a different, it's just a different medium. But I yep. think for me, to audience or artists, artists are always, I guess you could say, in the media sharing their talents with the world. Um, but is it purely for our consumption? No, it's not just for the consumption of of you know the audience. That's a part of it, but I think we do a disservice to to Zendaya and to Kiki Palmer when we sit around and we try to pick apart their career and compare and contrast them when in reality, they're, they're just two black, they're both two black women in the industry, you know, sharing their, their talents with the world. And I think we could definitely benefit from focusing on that. And I think the fact that Kiki Palmer did say that in her quote that, you know, the example, it's an example of colorism to even compare them. I, I basically agree with that because of the fact that, like you said, we don't do this to white, we don't do this to white women you know, all the time. Also, and to white, isn't um, that the audience? Also, it's a power in the audience. You can't be claiming colorism. Like, have you actively tried to watch anything Kiki Palmer's in? Because obviously you're not a Kiki Palmer fan if you don't know her. That's that's a fair assessment. If you don't know her filmography. If you don't, mm-hmm. if you, if you, you can't, if you don't know her credits, because we listed a bunch of credits. Because we, we actively we actively watched some Kiki Palmer shit. So the person who made that tweet, was they not, or did you not try to watch Kiki Palmer? Where, do you have some colorism bias? Do you, did you, do you not watch things that have dark-skinned dark women in it? Do you only want to see Zendaya's in, in movies and TV shows? Is that your, your, your viewing preference? I definitely think that's a great question to flip on the people who were trying to say that this might be an example of colorism because... It's actually the first thing I thought about when I saw the tweet. But yeah, that's the first thing I thought about when I first saw the tweet. I was like, is the Twitter Twitter person, is the tweeter a colorist themselves? Just trying to make, make a point? I don't know, and that's that's the thing. I don't know if that's if that was the intention, but I feel like this is where this is when I say is woke culture, you know, 
to woke now because I think we've yes, heard yes. we we we've <laughs> we hear all of these terms now woke cancel culture um, and we get to the point where we're always labeling things as that in any example that we see or any any situation we see we're saying oh that's colorist or that's this person needs to be canceled because they did this and da 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 and I it it, it it just baffles me because I think we already know how fucked up this world is, how fucked up this industry is, yep. specifically that we don't need to just label everything as colorist just to say that it, just 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 to say that it is, or if 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 it's even an injustice because in in, in this example you clearly showed that you're not necessarily aware of what the definitions are and who the people, the subjects of this issue that, you know, you're not familiar with their careers at all. Um, or at least not as extensively as people who genuinely are interested in Zendaya and Kiki Palmer. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know why we as black people always want to associate quality, worthiness and success with whiteness and I guess being expensive. You know, we, we, we do that a lot. Um, and I know I know it's the result of colonialism, white supremacy, all of those forces. But it always is. Are we not aware? Have we not got to a point of self-awareness to be able to say, you know, there's so much value in what we as black people produce and contribute to society. And we should celebrate that. And I don't think that, you know, we, I think we do a disservice to people like Kiki Palmer when we don't acknowledge that she's been in the game since 2004. Um, she's a little, she's, I think she's a, a few years older than Zendaya is. So she got it. She, she obviously has been, you know, in the, in the game a little longer, but is 28 and i think zendaya is 20 25 26 she's 25 okay yeah so they're only a few years apart um kiki palmer started a few in the industry a few years uh earlier but again they they probably don't have that many 2004 2009 that's what five years she had like a five-year head start i guess you could say but um people are saying why why isn't Kiki Palmer's career further along than Zendaya's, and I'm like, I mean, is it is their career is their career linear? Is it linear? Is it? No, is, it's is, not. It's is it also linear? Based off the pro- like, other than Nope, and being a part of the screen TV show, you don't really see Kiki Palmer going for like the big mainstream blockbuster movies. And I don't, and, that, and that's the question. Like they're saying, like, is she not going for them, or is she being denied access to these films because of her you being know, a darker skin woman? Kiki Palmer is. I think she would. She'd be vocal about that. I you feel could, like she would too. You could, she she does movies like she's been in Hustlers, which was a great movie, right? And they had a very diverse cast in that movie. Mainstream movie, Lightyear this year. She is, did it, that. is it considered a mainstream movie though? Because it was the budget for that movie was like I think twenty million dollars. Hustlers. Mm-hmm. I mean, with with Constance Wu at the time, yes, she was the star of the popular 
off the boats show on ABC. That she was everywhere, and she J-Lo was, was in it. And she was crazy rich Asian, and she and there's J Lo and Julia. She's Stiles. having she's having Lizzo. Cardi B was in it, and Lizzo was in it. The girl from Riverdale was in it. That's definitely a mainstream cast. Okay, so it had a twenty million dollar budget, but it brought in over one hundred and fifty yeah million dollars at the uh in, at the box office. So I mean, yeah, I would consider that. I, I think I would consider that um a mainstream project. Yes, I mean. She's been she's been a lot of work. She's done. She she's mainstream. That's my point, though. I it feel is, like, just like Kiki but, Palmer has Kiki Palmer has shown us this versatility that she has as an artist. Mm-hmm. She's acted in a variety. She went from being a child actor who act you know performed in, I guess you could say wholesome roles because she was a child actor to mm-hmm. more mature roles like Nope and Hustlers and. Even her work on the show Scream Queens, you know, it, I, I, I don't, I don't understand what we seek to gain from having from from comparing the two of them when they're so different from one another. You know, the type of work that they do, what, 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 and don't don't artists to get you know actors and other performers don't they get to decide what. They work on too, to some yes, degree. They, they I mean, can, obviously, some they type get, of audition for down, these. They audition sometimes. They they're sent scripts and they're like, "Yeah, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I'm not doing this. Yeah. I'm going to do these kind of movies. So don't even send me that." But also bringing back to colorism. Now, when we brought this up, there was one one example that I meant to say send you in Sadie so y'all could watch it. But you know the show Basketball Wives. Mm-hmm. Now there was one season. With the it was this character OG, her name mm-hmm. was, her name was, she goes by OG. Mm-hmm. She's dark skin, and then she said the entire rest of the cast was colorism, colorist, because they mm-hmm. had Evelyn Rosales who was Hispanic, and then they had Shawnee Shawnee O'Neill who was light skin, but then you have Malaysia Pargo who is like a like a like a dark caramel complexion, kind of like me, you know what I mean. And then you had someone else, I forgot her name, but she was also dark skinned, just as dark as OG. Now she's saying they was colorist because they all, when they, when they get in arguments, they all get tough and make like little threats. Like I'll beat your ass, I'll, I'll, I'll make you bleed. But th- she was like, when when I do it, y'all feel uncomfortable being comfortable being in my presence. Y'all, y'all don't want to be around me. Y'all don't want to sit on the reunion stage with me. Y'all try and make me, make me out like I'm some big black bully and mm-hmm. i was like you know at first i was like mm, i kind i, I kind of agree but then she was saying they was all colors and i was like yeah but isn't old girl the first person who said she was uncomfortable being around you she the same color as you and then when i went back to watch the season prior i learned that so og is a retired lingerie football player and watching these matches like they actually tackle each other. They tackle, they fight, they box. Like OG knows how to throw his hands. So she probably could beat the shit out of you. And <laughs> so when when OG making a threat that she going to beat my ass and make me bleed, am I not supposed to be like, okay, knowing your history, like, bitch, you can actually beat my ass and make me bleed. So am I not warranted to be to be afraid in your presence? 
Well, she beat me, and then she's also had a history of being aggressive and actually getting in people's faces, like face, like 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 you can smell her breath. Also, to a point where she arguing with people, and security has to like physically remove her from their personal space because she's about to hit them. So, with mm-hmm. all that, I'm like, are they being colorist, or are they, or do they just know that with everybody else, it's all talk? They talking, but they ain't going. They can't back that shit up. But with you, you're going you probably could, and I'm gonna be in the hospital. Well, I mean, that's a possibility. I didn't think about it that way because I, I I haven't watched basketball wise in a long time. I know I haven't seen it since OG, you know, became a part of the show. But one of the arguments in colorism is that darker skinned black women are perceived as being, you know, more masculine, more, you know, mm-hmm. aggressive and violent. So it's possible that even saying that, you know about her, even though she does have those, that background of being able to defend herself or being playing in playing sports, that in and of itself kind of supports the colorism argument to some degree. But it's also fair to say too, that maybe all the other girls on the show prior to OG coming on the show weren't afraid of each other. Cause like you say, a lot of the times these fights are just staged for TV. They're not actually really fighting. Um, and, I don't, I don't know these women personally, so I can't say who can fight and who can't fight, but it's, po- it's very possible that OG is able to, you know, throw some hands and they know that they don't want to get into the ring with her. You know, I don't because know. I, I honestly can't say. Everybody huff and puff. Everybody huff and puff. And you, you know who you can huff and puff. When you huff and puff, but you know you can't back that shit up, you know who you can huff and puff to. Because, you no, know, they ain't going to tempt you and you ain't got to get your ass embarrassed by getting beat up in public because you did all this huffing and puffing. But mm-hmm. you also know the people who you can't huff and puff with because they're going to actually blow your shit back. Yeah, it's always the people you who are silent or, you know, who don't talk about things a lot. Don't 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 have to sit there and, and claim <laughs> how tough they are that you need to be. Those are the ones you need to be paying attention to, because mm-hmm. the ones who are always running their mouth, talking about what they're going to do and who who's whose ass they're going to be oftentimes can't put their money oftentimes, where their mouth is. Oftentimes they can't fight and they're usually the ones who got the guns because they can't fight. Yeah, they need some kind of power, but also I just hate that we at a point where with 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 woke culture and with stuff like this is that someone's being aggressive to me, and I'm trying to respond with the same level of aggression, but now I'm being ridiculed. Now, now I've seen fights on Twitter where this person is attacked and accused of stuff. And when this person goes to defend themselves, they defend themselves using some profanity, but they don't they don't they don't call anybody any derog. Well, when it comes to like sexuality and sexual preference, they don't use anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, the bitches, hoes, that that gets thrown around. You know, when you, in a heat of an argument, somebody gonna be a bitch hoe. I'm whooping that ass. Those words don't really have power anymore, bitch and hoe. <laughs> well, I'm not yeah. gonna say they don't have any power anymore, but people say them so often now that it's yeah, not always so the like, Depending so on the context. But then, you could be fighting with somebody on Twitter. You don't even know oh, yeah. who, they, who they is, what their sexual orientation is. But you go and defend yourself. Oh, my God. How could you be so aggressive towards this this trans person and it's Pride Month? I'm like, um, but did that trans person care? Hop, pop they ass in my mentions. Talking BS. When I just made a random ass tweet about me 
not liking this TV show or something, but they want to come at me y'all hard, but I got to be- They're bringing, in other words, they're bringing the identity identity politics into this argument. You weren't even talking about that. Yes. Yeah, people, and that is definitely a problem. I definitely think that people weaponize, you know, woke culture or cancel culture too, Mm -hmm. to their benefit because, you know- and another thing I saw, there were people trying to cancel someone. This actor, I forgot his name. He's on some soap opera. They don't, they, at first, they liked the character and the actor. But then when they realized that, that the writers were putting the character, because in the current storyline, the two characters who should be together aren't together because, you know, storyline purposes are going to take a long time to get there before they actually realize that they should be together. So in the meantime, they put the character with somebody else. You know, have a little tension. Now, they hated that. So they went and they dug in this man's past. They went to find tweets from back in 2009 where he was saying a bunch of homophobic stuff. Hmm. And they were trying to cancel him and cancel him. And he was like, fuck that. So he made a post. He was like, I apologize if those tweets from 2009 offended people here in 2002. But... I will not be removing them and I will not be apologizing for them. And he was like, those tweets. Wait, the tweets were from 2009 and it's 2022, 2022. Okay. They hate the actor that much. They, they spent their time scrolling all the way 2009. Mm. That's how they be with the celebrities. He's like, I'm not apologizing for these tweets because those tweets were made by a then 12 year old little gay boy who at the time, every time he got on social media or turned on the news, saw reports about how kids were being, kids older than him and younger than him were being bullied so bad, but they were killing themselves on a practically daily basis. And that he was so afraid to admit that who, admit who he was and what he was attracted to, that he thought that he, if he, that he didn't want people to realize that he was gay because he didn't want to have to get to a point where he had to kill himself. So he thought the only way he can throw off the scent was to say some homophobic things to protect himself. He was like, it might not make sense to you, but it made sense to that to that 11-year-old who was watching people in his community who were between the ages of 10 and, and 18 kill themselves because they were being bullied. He was in the closet, right? Like, yes. he was just... Yes. He, was, he was 11 years old in 2009. I remember that time, 2009, 2010, every day that was, you get a report about a, 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 a queer kid killing themselves. You remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. That, that was, was I was I was the same way. I I I was planning on never coming out. I was like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm have to run away because I don't know. I might I might be one of them. I had those same thoughts. I was like, no, I'm like, you went and dug in, you went and dug through over 10 years worth of tweet tweets. To find incriminating tweets. If I'm digging that deep, of course I'm gonna find something incriminating. Right. So, what is your intention in doing that? Is what I ask. Like, what? Why? What do? You, what do you seek to gain get from the act, get the actor fired from the show because she didn't like that? Because you didn't. Because you didn't. You like, didn't. This like character was being inserted into her into her romantic ship. In other words, this isn't this isn't because of you you trying to raise awareness to an actual you know injustice. <laughs> this is just yes. Yes, this is exactly what what I mean when I say, you know, people are taking woke culture and cancel culture way too far because now they're weaponizing, you know, perceived injustice in order to 
For personal gain. For, per, for, pers- for personal gain, yes. That is definitely like, a problem. And like, I was like, I, I see if these tweets remain Some this people year. say shit on this Twitter year, just so like, they can go viral. Yeah, like, if, they, if they made these tweets, if he made these tweets within the last five years or so, then I get it. Then I understand it. This is 2009. This man wasn't even a teenager at this point. For, for, it's hard, but for like for your frontal things, lobe is not developed until you're t- like in your mid twenties, you're twenty five, twenty six. So a lot of the times you, you do dumb shit when you're a kid and don't even you're not aware of the consequences or the long term mm-hmm. effects. And unfortunately, people are doing that now in the in the age of the internet where you can't really take things back once you release it to the universe. Yeah, so. and then like for for certain things, I'm willing to. I'm like. For certain things, and if I can see that you, if I, if I can see that you've grown, and I've seen that you that you said something on MySpace back in two thousand and six, am I gonna hate you for that? And I'm like, obviously you've changed. Like you might have made some stupid racist comment on MySpace back in two thousand six. Obviously you've changed. We're close now. We have some type of like close friendship relationship you don't say those kind of things you know you, you become a whole new person am i supposed to hold you to something that, that you wrote back like 15 20 years ago if you're not still exuding that behavior right and especially, to be honest, if you, especially if you especially if you can acknowledge that you mm-hmm. was exactly that's the point right i wanted that's what i wanted to say like you know when you able to look back and acknowledge the harm or the impact that your words may have had on other people. And then there's a process of healing, especially when you're when you grow up queer in this society, a lot of us have a pent up aggression, anger, animosity, uh, inter- that we and internalized homophobia that we have to you know unpack and and some people are able to get through life and get the help that they need to be able to do that. But there are people out there who still are struggling with, with, with their identity. And, you know, maybe they, they haven't gotten further along in their journey to heal from that. But Mm -hmm. the point is, you know, it's not necessarily fair to hold that against people. Stuff that happened 20, you know, 10, 20 plus years ago, if they have shown where they've grown from that, you know, and are, you know, at a point now where they're making better choices or, you know, not necessarily trying to discriminate against a, a marginalized group in our society. Yep. That's how I see it. Like, if, if they've already atoned for it, they acknowledge that it was hurtful, that it caused pain, then I'm not going to be wrecking them on the coals. Also, I'm like, sometimes when, you, when they unearth things, I'm like, okay, yeah, that was bad. But also that tweet was made seven plus years ago. You really s- sat your ass at your computer or your phone and scroll up to through every tweet they ever made? I mean, because when you do that, you you going through not just tweets they made, but tweets they liked, tweets that they commented on. You really took your time and like you were that determined to find dirt on someone because you didn't like a movie they were in or a storyline they're in or 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 something that they were promoting. So you can find it and be like, look, look what look what they look at this offensive shit they said. We should cancel them. Like I wanna cancel you because why you got so much time on your hand.
it's crazy how much power one individual can have with a keyboard, you know, and access to the internet, you know, what they can actually, the damage that they can do. I'd be like, let me, let me be a flower on the wall in in your life. Or let me scroll through every social media that you've ever been on, because I'm pretty sure you don't got a squeaky clean. None of us, none of us do. We don't, none of us have a squeaky clean, you know, internet life. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I said some very problematic things on Twitter or Facebook in the past. I know I have. So I don't, who knows what I was saying on my space back in 2007 when I shouldn't have been on that in the first place or my very first Facebook and Twitter accounts I made back in 09. Like who know what I said? And I'm, I still, I don't censor myself now. I only censor myself when I'm around people who are in their mid thirties and older because People in that age group and older, they still hook hooked on certain words being offensive, and it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta realize who I'm around. People my my age and younger, or around my age, closer, you know, when it comes to bitch and hoe and slut, it's just like, hey, bitch, hey, girl. It it it's it's the tone in your voice when you say it. Mm-hmm. Of people who are like, but for the, the those middle age those those. Certain people, thirty-five and up, pretty much. They don't even. They don't care how you say it. They ready to fight. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, I can't, I can't, mm, mm, mm. I ain't saying shit. I ain't getting drunk around you because if I gotta, I always edit myself because you don't know that it's 2022 and like evolve with the times. All right, we can't let we can't keep letting every word in dictionary offend us. Like you giving people too much power, girl. Laugh about it and move on. Yeah, some people just haven't learned the art of that yet. Honestly, see when it. I know we off topic for topic, but with me, I always think about it. If you tell someone that this particular word offends you, what's the first word they gonna use when they're trying to get a reaction out of you to make you do something stupid? But they can then turn and be like, look at them. They being aggressive towards me. If you tell me, don't call me a bitch. I find the word bitch offensive. If me and you not cool and we beefing and you try and I, and I want to and I see somebody around and an authority at, a, at the job or at the pol- or police officers, I'm trying to get you in trouble. What's the first thing I'm saying? Fuck you, bitch. Now you finna beat my ass and the cops right there and I'm pressing charges. You fell right into my trap. Because would you give somebody who hates you a loaded gun? No, you wouldn't. Why the fuck would you give them loaded words? Don't be stupid. Grow up. But back on topic, you can go. You can take it away, Nick. <laughs> we didn't kind of shifted our conversation, honestly. But yeah, I, people definitely weaponize uh, cancel culture and you know just being offended by perceived injustice in our society and they are able to utilize that to their advantage sometimes. Um, but if we want to get back to talking about Kiki Palmer and Zendaya, you know, Zendaya's having her moment right now with uh, with her show. Um, I always forget the name of the show and I watch it every freaking week. <laughs> Euphoria. Um, and Kiki Palmer has, you know, I feel like Kiki Palmer is a staple in in the industry you know she she she's she's very versatile she's and i think they're both they're both still young women and they have a lot of opportunities ahead of them and i would love to just 
celebrate them both because I really enjoy, you know, both of them, you know, but I don't know. I just, I feel like conversations about, you know, who's more successful for one thing. I think they're, 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 they're based on bullshit because one of the things that they did when making this argument was compare their net worths that they got from the celebrity net worth website, which to me is not a, an accurate place to get someone's financial information. Definitely I mean, you, you you could argue that Zendaya might have more money because of the amount of money she may have earned on the projects that she worked on because they were big budget projects. But who's to say that, you know, Kiki Palmer hasn't been investing her money that she's been working, you know, making since she started working in 2004 in the industry and has a sizable net worth that we're not even aware of, you know? It's all about perception, in my opinion, but I don't think that that's necessarily the best way to measure success and really measure impact. And they doing that, and it's like, um, you just doing that based off the movies that she was in. But, okay, yes, she was in the Spider-Man movies, but she's not the star of the Spider-Man movies. I don't even Mm -hmm. think she, is she even second billing? I don't, I don't know, but I do know that she. Because I mean, in, in the first movie, that's the first movie. It's Tom Holland is Spider Man, so obviously he get he got the second biggest check of that movie. The first biggest check went to went to Robert Downey Jr. Because in order for him to be in the movie, they had to give him a big ass payday. Then you have. Gwyneth Paltrow, who's a who's a house no name. Then you have Michael Keaton. It's Michael fucking Keaton. And then you have, you got Marissa Tomei. So, yeah, she was in this this movie that made $880 million, but she didn't get a big chunk of that? I don't know. I don't know how much she got, but what I, I, Zendaya is getting probably getting money for her work on Euphoria, not just as an actor, but as an executive producer. Yes. She's an executive producing that show too. You know, so there's a lot of things that people don't necessarily take into consideration when I they mean, make these also, arguments. True Jackson VP, Kiki Palmer was a producer on that show. Was she? Mm-hmm. Well, there you have it. She probably got her first experience with directing, producing, from working on that show because that was early, that was still early in her career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wonder is 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 that something else that she does too on the side? Like, does she are there direct are there pro, uh, projects that she's directed and produced that we're not necessarily aware of because you know everyone's not necessarily paying she attention to that. Always hosting something. She she be hosting. Don't, don't she? She she, she good for right. being on a red she good for being on a red carpet somewhere popping up on MT and M hosting or being MT on someone <laughs> right because like, of her personality show like what the girl how why are you over here Kiki she will never have I I'll put it this way Kiki Parma will probably never have trouble finding work especially in television because she's so good at it you know and she's so likable. So yeah, yeah. I, I feel like the person who made the tweet, they were either trying to stoke controversy or them themselves are. And then they were saying, I want to do a deep dive. I want someone to do a deep dive. Why can't you do your own deep dive? Why can't you just 
do your own research and uh, read about colorism and how it how it impacts our society too because people utilize these words they're buzzwords and they don't always know what they're talking about or they don't understand the full the nuances that these words carry and i think that's very harmful when you're getting online excuse me when you're getting online yeah and you're making these assumptions and posts about things from a lens of you know from a from a from a mis I don't want to say misguided but uh, we we don't have all necessarily have all the tools to make these to make good arguments you're just really just stowing, stirring the pot and starting shit essentially and you don't even have the range yeah like you said they just be using buzzwords sometimes. Oh my god, I'm so sick of people saying that they're being gaslit or you're gaslighting someone. Uh... (laughs) I mean, I I know that's probably off topic, but I feel like that's just another example of people utilizing. Yes, you utilizing something that has real that has real consequences behind it, just to fit a narrative that's not even fucking true. And it's like, I just hate when they use a buzzword just to just to spark a moment or I mean, do you even know what being gaslit is? Like some people, they'd be explaining how they were being gaslit. And I was like, girl, like he wasn't gaslighting you. Like based off everything you just said and how you went on his rent, bitch is crazy. Like I'm, I'm agreeing with him from the narrative you're trying to spin, honey, you gaslighting him. He ain't gaslighting you. So yeah, I just people people utilize the word, you know, these words too freely. And I I I'm not completely against cancel culture because I like to look at it as consequence culture because it does kind of shift the power away from those people who have always had power for a long time. But, you know, I think people sometimes jump on the cancel bandwagon too, you know, and don't why are we canceling Dr. Phil? I don't know. Did he say something controversial recently? I just know when I go on Twitter, I've been open needs to still needs to apologize for sicking Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz on us. I'm like, yeah, like we know Dr. Oz is problematic. Okay, I give you that. But what did Dr. Phil do? I don't know. I feel like they they, they talk about his show being problematic and not necessarily Real psychology. That, that he's, that he's exploiting people. I mean, he does no different than what Jerry Springer or Maury Povich did. I mean, at least Doc, Dr. Phil actually tries to give them some type of useful advice. But, you know. Yeah, so I want to say he does. Uh, he, he's not necessarily a real psychologist, but he does. A lot of the times, have sometimes he'll have actual professionals, uh, professionals on the show and probably provides the family with resources so that they can, you know, get the help that they need. But mm-hmm. he's more or less just bringing awareness to the issues that they're experiencing and maybe doing that. It could be, you could, you could argue that it's selfishly done to make money because it's controversial. Cause I do remember him having, um, a trans influencer. I forget the name on the show and her mother who was, who had, I think who was, who was a, at one point trying to be a politician or something. And mm-hmm. they had a very, very, you know, vit, uh, there was a lot of vitriol being uh, 
sped up between the two of them. And mm-hmm. um, one they, it was so bad that Dr. Phil couldn't even get a word in at some point. But um, one thing I did appreciate him saying was, you know, he was trying to bring awareness to the fact that people who are transgender are no longer considered, you know, delusional or having a mental illness because the health, the medical community and the, you know, psych- psychology community doesn't consider gender dysphoria, just, just morphia, I'm sorry, and being trans as a mental illness anymore. Just like the same thing happened with homosexuality. I think that, I hate that word, but, <laughs> you know, years ago when that, when that was no longer, con- there was a point when they said that homosexuality is no longer considered a mental illness. So I do appreciate, you know, him bringing attention to that, or at least trying to, 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 to share that with the general public, because you know, I don't know who's necessarily watching his show. I used to watch Dr. Phil, but again, Oprah had a huge influence on America and she did introduce the world to a lot of these different also, people. people. It's Oprah mainstream. <laughs> people are, are under the assumption because we all live in it's 2022 and it's the age information. Everybody got a cell phone. Everybody got access to the internet that everyone has knowledge of everything mm-hmm. and it's like no if i grew up in a bubble then i only know what's in my bubble do that's I have a good the point ac- do i have access to google and the world wide web yes but if i'm in, if i'm living within my bubble that i've never had to leave why would i be urged to do research on something that mm-hmm. isn't within my immediate space Right. So some people aren't saying or doing things because they don't accept the change of, of what's happening or or they're they're just being hateful. I'm like some people are just like unfortunately they're just they're, they're ignorant on certain topics because they, they aren't aware there's no exposure they have no exposure to it. Yes. And that, that's that's a good that's a good point because when you think about the relationship between black people and white people in this country, um and I know this isn't true for everyone, but for the most part, we live in pretty segregated communities mm-hmm. and people sometimes go most of their life without ever interacting with someone of a different race. And I think about white people who are aware that Black people obviously exist or even have consumed you know, Black media, but don't have any black friends because they don't ever interact with black people at all. Not at work, not at home, obviously not at church or any other institution that they may be, you know, affiliated with. And that lack of exposure is an issue itself because you're only getting your understanding of black people from maybe the media that you consume or the internet. And whilst there may be some truth to that, that isn't the full picture. And you're never really going to understand, you know, or connect with someone unless you're actually exposed to them. And people, you can, you can say the same thing about the LGBTQ community. Um, There isn't a lot some people don't have any queer friends or queer family members that they, you know, associate with. I'm pretty sure everyone or most people have some, you know, one queer, at least one queer person in their family, but they don't always accept them or support them, but they don't have any friends or anyone in that community that they can talk to, then they're not 
really but also bringing it back to like issues. you have like america there are certain states in america that are so they have cities that are so small and so remote mm-hmm. if i'm from this remote ass part of the country and i decide when i'm graduating high school i want to go to college in a big city they're going to be so that gives me a culture shock to Oh, I can't say that word, but we say that back in my my hometown, back in you know so and so, where it's like five thousand people. We all know each other. This is how we this is the we use these words, we use these slangs, we use these colloquialisms. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to cancel them? We supposed to hate them? Get them fired because of a job? I'm like, no, they from this small bumfuck town in the middle of Kansas. This is a first time. Being a big city, it's probably their first time seeing minorities because there you could there are some small towns in this country where the the main population, the only population is white people. So sometimes you come and then you in that population in in those small towns, you were there with all these old folks, old folks who were definitely part of the Jim Crow era of America, old folks who was there pre pre integration. So you grew up in a small town with these old people. Of course, there are certain words, phrases, and terms you're going to be growing, grow up with, and think is normal. So when you take your ass to a big city, it's like, oh, we, we, that's offensive. I can't say that, but this, my grandpa and his friends have been saying it my whole life. Right, and you know what? That's that 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 also. I think we should also acknowledge too that you have to look at someone's intention too, because if they're just ignorant to something and they are genuinely committed to to learning and and doing better going forward, then I definitely think that that's an opportunity to give someone grace. But if they're committed to being ignorant after you've explained to them why their behavior is problematic or hurtful or harmful to you and those around you, and they continue to want to, you know, engage in that type of behavior, then I don't think that that's an... Give them... I'm not willing to, you know, extend that grace to them. You also have to give them, like... You can see, but they are trying. But also, I know because there, there are certain things that I've heard my grandmother say my entire life that I still catch myself saying, even without, you know, I'm just having a conversation and the words just fly out. And it, it still takes some time to be like, no, I, I'm, I wasn't trying to be offensive. It was just, it was the first word that popped into my fucking head because this is the word, this is how I've heard this word be used in a sentence in context of this kind of these kind of conversations since I was a kid. Like, and, and if I'm not actively being like, oh, no, don't say that. That's offensive. Change the word. It's just going to fly out. So I, I allow grace for things like that. I'm like, I can't expect this. For if, I can't. I'm not going to expect these things that have been ingrained in you since you were a kid. Autom- you'd automatically switch that shit off after like a couple of weeks or months of knowing me. Like no, that that's that's impossible. Mm, I, I I I think I go back and forth with that. I do believe that there is there are opportunities to give people grace, but for, if 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 you've told them multiple times, you know that this is harmful to me. I would you please respect my pronouns or please use different language when you're when you're describing that around me. You know, if the person is really trying to. It, respect think, you, then yes. It's also but, quantified. Do 
Do you like horror movies, like Halloween and the Blair Witch? Well, if you're like me and you do, you should join me and listen to the Haddonfield Horrors Podcast, where they discuss and review horror movies and horror movie franchises. If you're not listening to the Haddonfield Horrors Podcast, you're definitely missing out. When, especially with the pronoun things, sometimes you get in a conversation, you're just talking, and then sometimes you just, you say the pro, pronoun, you just go with it. But it's like, oh, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. I'm, I'm so sorry. I was just, I was just talking, and I said it. I didn't mean to call you he. I know, I know you. I know your pronouns are, are they them. I wasn't trying to be rude. We were just talking, and it just, it just flew out. And that's understandable because you're so used to referring to this person as you know he, him instead of they, them. So mm-hmm. like, there is a period of time to adjust to that, but eventually you'll get, you'll get used to it. And sometimes yeah. I know that for me, because I know explains explaining things to elder people in my family or trying to explain all these concepts to them they didn't have that language back then they didn't have mm-hmm. the I, non-binary and you know to be said to, to use the word queer was negative like my mama still hates when i refer to myself as queer because it has such a negative connotation to it in the past uh, but we you know we utilize that word now as an umbrella term for anyone who's not straight so yeah. or so i understand that there's a period of time and a difficulty sometimes with letting go of things that have been ingrained in you all your life and like i said if, as long as a person is being apologetic and showing their support to you and then they're not trying to harm you it's just going to take time for them or maybe they'll maybe they'll never get to the point where they're fully able to utilize the words perfectly i'm learning to let go of perfection but and, and focus more on intention because if you're not intending to if you're not intentionally harming me and you're apologetic and supportive of me for the most part, then yeah, I can give you grace and I can be a bit more understanding. But if you're just someone who's ignorant and com- committed to being an asshole and disrespectful you because you don't, then you're just, you're, 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 you're canceled. I'm sorry, you're, you're canceled. You're as fuck. Exactly. But yeah, I, I don't know. Because I do, because like, like you said, with, with, the, with the word queer, for your mother's generation, that was a derogatory term. Mm-hmm. Like you dirty queer. Because I, I watch movies from the eighties and TV shows from the eighties, and that was definitely. I heard they, a lot of. They used they used queer oh, god, derogatory. The eighties were so homophobic in the yes. media. The eighties were so homophobic. You, you, heard, you heard the they used queer to insult people more than they they did the f word, and did I was like, I was like, um, okay. But then, so you also like also with, with what I was saying about bitch and hoe and slut. One generation that's offensive. So when yeah. mother, when the, when the new generation is using it, it's like y'all just call y'all you young ladies calling each other bitches is so derogatory. You shouldn't be saying that. And it's like, lady, we're friends. This is a term. This is my bitch. This is a term. Of this endearment. is a term of endearment now. Yeah, and that's a, that. Just goes to show you how culture changes over time. Things are not. And we shouldn't be slave to how the shit was in the past. Mm-hmm. I think we should definitely be open to evolution and understanding that culture itself is not, you know, static. You know, it does change over time. But, you know. I know a lot of older gay men who who don't like to be referred to as queer because, again, growing up, that was the word that you say was used to, in, you know, just mm-hmm. insult them and harm them. So I, we have to be respectful sometimes too of people who experience like the the n word. I'm pretty sure our grandparents, great grandparents, and even some of our parents don't like being called the n word, even with the mm-hmm. g. You know, 
the A at the end instead of the ER, the hard R or whatever. And because when they was when they were our age, that was being used to make them feel like they, like they weren't human. They were made to feel as less to dehumanize them. And mm-hmm. some some of our for some of our relatives, that was the last that. word that they were that they heard before they were experiencing experiencing some violence, you know, or death. So we have to be mindful too, even though we've co-opted the word, or not co-opted, but took, you know, reclaimed the use of the word and don't allow anyone who's not black to use the word, you know, although some people do, it's not um, but see, but that, appropriate. I'm like, I'm like, why do I have to be pigeonholed to, to your generation's trauma? Why aren't we allowed to take that trauma and remix it so it no longer has power over us the way it did over you? Because that really isn't your trauma to true control in that, I, in that regard. Should I allow that? But should I allow this thing to traumatize me the same way it traumatized you? You're not. You, no, you shouldn't. But you're not doing that. And 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 I think for for me, I just I don't. I prefer not to use the word because I just don't like the history of the word. So I I, I, I tend not to use the word. I and I sometimes cringe when I do say that you know just the the n i g g a the you know the a I also I sometimes find myself cringing when I say that so I don't just feel comfortable using the word um, but you know I don't police anyone else from using the word if they want to but I do think it's res- it's important to respect the wishes of our elders when we're around them and in their presence and not use the word if it if it does offend them because some of them use it. You know, some of the white, brown, whatever shade you is, you can't call me colored. We fighting. Girl, yes. I know this white boy said this to that use that word with me one time when I was in elementary school. I was the only black kid in my classroom and he referred he was like, Yeah, I'm my, my um I've been I'm around black people. Like my, my my father's girlfriend is colored. And I was just like, colored. Don't nobody use that word like to, to describe black people anymore. It's black because some people are afraid to say the word black, and they want to use when white people say African American. Like I hate being called African American personally. Like I am. I don't like being. I am a black I'm American, like, but everyone doesn't like. And that's another thing too. We're not black people. Are not a monolith. Everyone doesn't like being called black. Everyone doesn't like being called African American. Because to me, African American isn't really uh, an accurate word to describe. Black people, because it's, it's Black Americans, because many of us are not connected with our African ancestry at all. So we don't have many connections to Africa. But if you are an immigrant from Africa and you you know are in America, your kids are born here. You, you are, are African African American because you are you still have this you, you still have those cultural ties to Africa. You haven't you know had that stripped away from you. And that's person that's why I prefer to use the term I'm so black referred to as black American. I, I that's why people and they look at me like, oh I'm like I'm like I I have no direct ties. I would I be have, like Raven and just say I'm an American. I, I have no direct <laughs> ties to Africa. I mean I can't if I can't go two or three generations back and find a connection from somebody from Africa then I'm not African American. Yes you can go through my ancestry and see that people came off the boat. But that was that was back in the 1700s. It is 2022, and nobody from my family come from Africa within the last 40, 50 years. Then I'm I'm Black American. I'm so sorry. And I know my for a fact that you know my ancestors have been here for over. I mean, my my, my Black American ancestors have been here for like over you know hundreds of years. Like 
or over a hundred years, I can trace back generations and like, yep, they're American. They were born here. They're not African. But um, what are we supposed to say? We all know that we that we, that we come from West Africa because of the slave trade. So should we just say we're West African American? Because Africa is a big continent. Then what, what else are we <laughs> come from West Africa? That's my, dark, That's my point. That's my point. That's my point. My ass can be. Um, um, but that's the point. I, I think I, I can be, you know, I can be Jamaican. I can be from the Caribbean. Right, exactly. Like, you know, we, everyone who's black doesn't come from, directly come from Africa. Some people have been living in the Caribbean for dec- for, 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 mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. for generations now, too. So you have Caribbean American, or you have Caribbean Americans if they're in America, but when, and in the Americas are, in, the Caribbean isn't in the Americas, but the point mm-hmm. is, you know, the, the black diaspora is very, you know, broad and I could be black from Cuba. People prefer people have their own right. You could be Afro Latino, you know, or or do they do 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 his do is Latinx still a thing? Like do people like to be referred to as Latinx? Because I know we talked about that on the I, show a couple I, I, I not everyone talk, likes it. I can't talk about it exactly. Well yeah I that's do, true. The people who the Hispanic people who who I'm who I'm around, they're just like we don't go by Latin X, we just go by Hispanic. That is the term, and that just goes to show you just how different there there are so many differences within our within every group here. You can't just call refer to everyone as the same using the same term to describe everybody. It's not it's 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 just not fair. It's not it's it's not appropriate to do that. So I do think that it's important to ask people how they want how they want to be referred to, and when they tell you, re- respect that. Yeah, but I, I, one of the things I really do want, for but black also, people especially, are we, are we just changing things to be changed? Because I'm, cause I, I have I have noticed that with Gen Z. They, they they do some of the change that they want, I get. But there are other things that they want to change. I'm just like, is this really, are you just, are you changing this because it's it's an issue you wanted to be fixed? Or are you just trying to be different? You know, every generation tries to, you know. What do you mean? Make, I mean, because the whole Latinx thing, I'm like, why specifically, what's wrong with being called Hispanic? What's or wrong Latino. with Latino or Latina? Or you just say, cause, but Hispanic is also, I think Latinx is supposed to be non-gender assigning. I think That's that what I was thinking point. too. But that isn't that what Hispanic is? I don't, I don't know. Cause I feel like the, well, the categories Latinx, that were created, the categories that were created aren't, aren't, aren't perfect either because Hispanic and Latino don't necessarily describe a race. They describe an ethnic group, whereas black mm-hmm. and white. Because you know when you're filling up those forms, they'll say, are you, are you black? to let people from Latin America, but then Latin America still be Hispanic, but not be from But it's not, cons- it's not considered a race, but black and white is considered a race. And so is uh, Pacific Islander um, and American Indian, Alaska Native. Like these are all considered like, and those are all considered. Uh, my, my, I guess my question is, what makes, what determines someone, what, what determines the definition for a race? What is actually a race? Because... They want to say it's based on physical characteristics, and an ethnic ethnicity is basically um, cultural, cultural, and I think somewhat geographical ties that you have 
those are there there are differences to those terms but it's just interesting to me how because you can because you can be again you can be afro-latino you can be white and his latino or latin hispanic like you know when you're filling out those forms they'll ask you what's your race they'll ask if you're hispanic or not and then they'll ask you what your actual race what your race is so Mm -hmm. it's just interesting how they categorize people and yeah it's just so many terms it's a lot of terms and i think that you know it's really important to to ask people how they want to be referred to and not just assume and then when they do tell you just be respectful of that yep that that i'm good sometimes even if i don't understand if you like what you hear don't forget to leave us a review and a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening on also follow us on twitter at letters to media and on instagram at letters underscore podcast She she was on Law and Order SVU um, a couple and, of times and, I think prior to they, that. Yeah, she she's she's in a lot of movies that I've but, seen. But Marcus, I'm like, focusing on I'm I'm looking I'm focusing specifically on that definition that I that I shared earlier and like why mm-hmm. you have to think about it from that lens because otherwise, um. How to Get Away with Murder was her turning point because that's when she actually started being seen by more people. A, a, a huge you number of people. You don't think the help did? I feel like wouldn't her... the help could have because she did get. Did she win an Oscar for that movie? Uh, but I, I have to look at the budget. The budget in the box office um, success I mean, of the help because the help. The budget was twenty five million, and the box office was two hundred and sixteen point six million. Okay, so maybe, maybe, and in, in the fact that she won an Oscar for that movie, you probably could she say yes. Oscar, that was a that was a that was her that was her breakthrough role or her role that really put her on the map. She um, was nominated for an Oscar, but Octavia Spencer. Oh, that's won right. The that's who won the watch. Now, I, I won the supporting actress. The help definitely was Octavia Spencer's. Breakthrough, breakthrough role. She, role. she became but, mainstream because of that movie. But fans of Octavia uh, of Octavia um, Spencer will know she's been in the game for a long time. You know mm-hmm. she's 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 been out there for a long time. But that that was definitely her break her break her breakthrough. Well, what? Yeah, because she was she was. And, um, and that's what I was saying about name recognition. Because I remember, I remember seeing Octavia Spencer in Big Mama's House. She was also in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, even though that was a bad movie. She's been in a bunch of movies I had seen prior to seeing her in Help. But she was always just the black lady I saw in the, in, in the background of the movies, who probably had like two or three lines. But then we get to the Help, and it's like, oh, okay, that that's who that is. That's... That's Octavia Spencer. And then you see her in all these other movies. And then you go back to watch these other, you go back to watch these older movies. And it's like, wait, Octavia Spencer was in Halloween too? Octavia Spencer was in Big Mama House? Mm-hmm. And I remember, that's what I'm saying. I remember her seeing her in all these roles when I was little. And I'm like, I knew who she was when she when she was in The Help. I did. But that's because I, she was acting in projects that may have not been considered mainstream at the time. Okay. Now, because she said this herself, and now when she said it in the interview, I was like, "You don't think you were mainstream?" 
Oh, damn, I forgot her name. Oh, I feel so bad. Taraji P. Henson. She said that she wasn't mainstream, that people didn't really put, like, put two and two together who, of who she was until she did the the Benjamin Button movie, because she played Benjamin Button's mom. And she's like, even after that, she was nominated for an Oscar. People still didn't really know who she was until she did Empire. Well, then people, then people, then she's about, like, like, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, then she like, then people were like, oh yeah, that's that's Taraji, Taraji, that's Taraji P Henson. Like that's Cookie wasn't Cookie wasn't Baby Boy. That's her. Cookie wasn't for her brothers. Cookies wasn't hustling and flow. Well, who's asking us, these questions? Who's asking these questions? Who's what, what? What color are the people asking these questions? You know. It was mostly white people, but now I, but okay, I also exactly. I also I also saw white people who were like, "Oh my God, the girl from Baby Boy, she an empire. I've loved her since Hustle and Flow. Oh my God, I loved her since this." I'm like, okay, so I'm like, it's a mixed bag. People, some people didn't know who she was, some people didn't some know who do, she some was. Some do, some don't. But she, that's, but that's what I guess the when you say name, who didn't know is white people. That's why you have to understand what. That's why it's important to have a a, a, a solid definition of what mainstream is because. People are often looking at not acknowledging or aware of their own biases and why that may hinder them from under, from seeing what's mainstream or considering someone mainstream because you may think that this person is famous because you know them, but you don't mm-hmm. know. There are a lot of people who you don't know that these people may know. So yep. I've been a fan of Taraji P. Henson since she started, since, since she was on, what, wasn't she on uh, Smart Guy? She was one of the... Um, friends one of Yvette's friends on smart guy or, or at least yep. she was in their high school you know and i want to say she was on she might have been on sister sister before she but i mean I, I, I was familiar with her i was like oh i know i've seen her somewhere before and when she started when she was in baby boy that was when i you know really began to i guess you could say follow her career at that point because you know for me like be even before baby boy well no before i saw baby boy you know at some point baby boy was on bet you know all black folks knew watch baby boy but before i saw baby boy I love like procedural TV show, like workplace TV shows, like cop shows, lawyer shows, hospital shows, and mm-hmm. in like 2002, like I was, I was obsessed with the division. Wasn't that a lifetime? Mm-hmm. I used to watch what? that. Nancy McKean was on that, wasn't she? From yes, um, she Back was. to Life. I remember yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I used Man, to watch that. And I used to watch TV. Strong Medicine. Mm-hmm. I'm, oh, I'm, now I have a question. I love Strong mm-hmm. Medicine too. Was was Lifetime a mainstream network, or is Lifetime a mainstream network? Do you consider that a mainstream network? I would say it is now, based off the programming that it has and and the recognition that you can you get from. I'm because I want to say who is Lifetime? What is who is the target demographic for Lifetime? It's women. always been it's always been white women. White women specifically, but nowadays you do see a lot more black um, mm-hmm. women and projects. I, I guess like geared towards black women. But it was it's a, it was it was a network originally. It was a network for women, all women. I guess you could say because again, yes. I know I know your grandmother was watching Lifetime. My mama was and my grandma was still watching do, Lifetime. Still do because that's how I ended up watching. My mom and my grandmother both watch Lifetime. They live in the same house. My grandma was right. in her room watching, mom in her room watching, and they would text each other about what the fuck they watching instead of being in the same room together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But those projects that you see on Lifetime weren't necessarily being seen by men. For one thing, a lot of men, 
you know, who make up specifically white men who are making up, unless they were maybe watching with their wife or most, I don't think most queer people were watching. And then they started making programming to fit that. And then now you have shows well, like that, the, the little women, like everybody, everybody love reality TV. You might not admit mm-hmm. it. You watch some trash reality TV. They start putting shit on there. Like the, the little women franchise. I've been, mm-hmm. I recently got obsessed with married at first sight. Like that show is so damn weird, but I I love it. Right, and now the fucking the movies got more crazier, and also it it becomes a point where like you you watch a Lifetime movie just because the title sounds stupid, and you know you've already seen this movie before, but you, it has, you've it's seen not, it's, you've seen one. It's, like, a, it's, a, it's a formula, one. like I'm gonna say, it's a, it's a formula. Lifetime Hallmark does it too. Like they have a formula that they use, and they know that they're and, gonna get a a, a consistent viewership for these movies because there's a there's a specific now type of person a, that they're appealing it's a to. Standard product. It's like we don't need a Kit Kat commercial because everybody knows what the fuck Kit Kat is now. It's recognizable. It's a recognizable brand. Lifetime movie formula is a recognizable brand. But then I feel like when Lifetime really hit, it became mainstream is when it started having shows like Division and Strong Medicine, Army Wives. I fucked heavily with Army Wives. That was my shit. And I I I, I get where you're coming from. I guess I just I don't necessarily think of it as a mainstream network, but maybe now, maybe in some ways, you maybe in some ways it is. If we're if we're saying that main, the mainstream is changing and becoming more diverse, because Lifetime does have a lot of diverse programming on it, then yes, by that definition, yeah, you could definitely say it's becoming more mainstream or has become more mainstream, because prior to that, the story centered white women. Yeah, even though they had. Every now, like my favorite show from Lifetime was Any Day Now, and it was a story of two women who were best, who've been best friends since they were little girls. One was black, one was white, and they grew up during the civil rights era in in the South. So, you know, you're with with that, you're gonna draw an audience of black women and white yeah. women because yeah. that was just they there there was a character that they could relate to. Any Day Now was one of the first shows on, probably one of the first shows on Lifetime that, that dealt with a lot of issues like homosexuality, uh, homophobia, um, teen pregnancy. Like there was a lot of shows that weren't necessarily talking about these things, but they did on that, on, at that I time. Mean, my, my first exposure to Lifetime was the Matthew Shepard story. And Matthew I was Shepherd like, Matthew story. That was on Lifetime? I remember hearing I, about that. When I saw what it was on Lifetime, I don't know if it was originally made for Lifetime, but I know that's where I watched it. Oh, okay, okay. I think I, I remember that. I, I, was it a Lifetime movie? I don't. It might not. It premiered on Lifetime. But I, I saw. I, I watched it for the first time on Lifetime. On Lifetime, and, and Lifetime was good for doing that too. Like there would be a movie. Like I think this was this premiered on NBC. They were good for like putting those type of movies on their or you know showing them on their network too. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the first. I remember watching movies. I remember watching on Lifetime when I was little were. Uh. 15 and Pregnant, because I think Kirsten Dunst was in that. That was mm-hmm. a big movie. And then the, the the truth about Jane. Yes. That was um, with Stocker Channing and Ellen Muth. Like that, that was when um, the movie, the, one of the first movies that talked about a lesbian relationships or having a, being a lesbian um, on that channel. I'm not going to say it was the first, but I, I feel like it was one of the first because um, I because I know Ellen had been out. I don't know if it was showing being shown on Lifetime because Lifetime typically 
I forget what the slogan was, but I remember saying something along the lines of stories for women, you know, the, the, the network for women. That was always the emphasis was it was stories about women for women. And but oh, wait, but, you know, see, I don't know if was Ellen on Lifetime. But then, OK, because it get confusing because okay, the Lifetime, I mean, cause even at some point, Lifetime was showing unsolved mysteries. But oh yeah, but the lifetime, the lifetime woman's movie network that told you what the demographic was. The lifetime movie network, LMN. Mm-hmm. And they they were they were literally saying the slogan: like, the "Lifetime movie." They they would have this is for women and the slogan. Yeah, I, but but I, I'm not gonna lie. The stranglehold that damn channel had on me when I was a kid. I was obsessed with LMN. Yeah, television for women. Lifetime TV Network, the original slogan um, was called, the original slogan was television for women. I knew it was, I knew that was, it was something mm-hmm. like that. Was it being but now it's mainstream. But now it's mainstream. It, I see it's mainstream based off what it puts out now. Yes, it still has, it still has um content skewed towards women but it also has reality sh- real even reality shows reality shows were were for who originally who, who, who reality shows the first reality shows were the real world fear and factor the, surreal, the real world it's the real life i'm not i'm not counting game shows like fear okay factor stuff we got like the real world. You oh yeah, yeah, you're world. right. The, so, the reality TV as we know it, I guess now. Yeah. So those were all skewed towards what young college age women, college hill, uh, 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 whatever the hell that they was, was the doing. Flavor Flav and and flavor of love. <laughs> women, women wasn't that a gang? That? No, it wasn't a game show. Technically, no. it was. Women, it was a women competition. Were primarily targeted for that, but now flash forward, shit, everybody. Watch game shows. I was in high school, and I was hearing the 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 thug and game makers talking about, "Hey, hey, y'all saw what happened on Love and Hip Hop last night?" I was like, "Wait, my the drug dealing, dope selling homeboy watching Love and Hip Hop." Yeah, that's that's so funny. What's happening? What's happening? So no, but now more people watch. Reality went from being that niche thing that people thought was gonna be, be some stupid experiment. That's now in the mainstream. There's a reality show for every fucking thing. There's a reality show for for pawn shops. Reality show for for cooking shit. You know, behind the scenes of of this. You know, I'm so I guess pregnant. I guess what we're saying then is, you know, the definition of mainstream is shifting because previously it was always the white gays or it was the white not gays like gays G A Z E. I know that sounds like I said gay, but um. White people, the white white audiences were considered mainstream, and again, that was because that was the majority of the country. And if you were trying to become mainstream, then you were trying to make some money. Now it seems like the definition for mainstream is maybe starting to shift a little bit to include the majority of people. And in order to do that, you have to have some level of diversity to it. You got to have people of color and black people in your story. You got to have queer people in your story in order for it to be considered mainstream. Yep. Is that is it is that a fair assessment of what yep. may you be happening appeal, now? You have to, yeah, you have to appeal to a broader broad audience. demographic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
In the so same I guess our, our values are changing as a society slowly but surely. You, you, you can even see it with music. Mm-hmm. There, there, there were some people I'm, or I'm around, people who I'm related to, people who gang bang and shoot them up, but they will bump some country music fast. I like they will bump. Music. They will bump a classic <laughs> Britney song fast. I'm like, it, when, when you start to appeal to a, a, a broader audience and not just an audience that looks like you or or have the similarities you do, then you're mainstream. When you have name recognition, you are mainstream. If I can drop your name in a conversation and people, and five out of six people know who you are, you are mainstream. Right. And not and not people in my immediate circle. People anywhere. Now, you also have to, but I also don't count an age difference. Now, if I mention somebody, and if I drop R.I.P., but if I say Anne Heche, I know who Anne Heche is. People yeah. know who Anne Heche is. You know, she was, she was in Scream. She was in, um not Scream. She was in... I know what you did last summer. What you did last summer. She was on those... She was on. She started off on soap opera. She was on. Yes, was it I, I was going, I, another world? She played the twins. Another Vicky, world. Yes. Vicky and Marley. People from my grandmother generation know that I love. I used to watch Another World and reruns on Soapnet. She played the hell out them twins, and she won her soap. She won her award, and she should have won that award because she was killing it. But then people also know her as Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres' girlfriend, and that they people they were talking about how that ha- may have impacted her career because the at the time. And then she yeah. was also in big mainstream she movies. She did, she did a movie with Harrison Ford. People know who Anne Heche is. But then you ask somebody who, between Some ages of, of, of just being born to be to, to 22 years old, I don't know. Who is Anne Heche? I don't know her. Well, she, you know, younger people are starting to take, are, are starting to become the dominant um, consumer group in mm-hmm. the country um, because of, you know, boomers and Gen X and even us. Well, I, we're, 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 I think I'm considered a, a younger or a middle millennial, but you are we're a not, middle millennial because I am a younger millennial. Yeah, you're right there at the very like I'm end. On the of, cuff. I'm on the you're cuff. on the cusp because you're almost considered Generation I Z. Could never, I would deny. <laughs> I would change. I would allow my birth. Like I was born. Don't do this to me, please. But yeah, the, the that they, you have to look at who was the who's the dominant um, consumer group too. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. But it also it all it, it, it changes with the tide. You just have to go with the flow. But also don't 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 try to take someone being don't don't take because you're ignorant on someone's success and someone's credit because you aren't educated enough to know who this person is and their status in the industry. Don't take that as being, oh, it, it must be colorism because I don't know who they is. Maybe you weren't paying attention because she isn't an actress that you particularly like to see. That's fair. And I guess my, my takeaway is... Do you like supporting local business? How about Black-owned local business? Or even better... A black female-owned local business. Well, if you do, we have the perfect business for you. Black Forward Clothing, Inc. 
A new clothing brand owned and designed by Mercedes Scott. They have an array of affordable clothes such as t-shirts, jackets, hoodies, joggers, and even a face mask. So you can fight COVID in style. They say true to their slogan, it's more than a name, it's a power movement. By pushing their brand to bring awareness to mental health and anti-hate. So support the movement by supporting the brand. You can find a link for the store in the description below. Don't utilize these words, these buzzwords so freely. Maybe take some time to really understand the concept of what colorism describes and before, maybe read some books, talk to some people or some, some people in the field who study these things. And then maybe you can make a more compelling argument as to, you know, what are specific examples of colorism? Because I'm pretty sure Kiki Palmer has come across some colorism in her career. What black actor in Hollywood hasn't? But I don't think that this comparison of her and Zendaya's career is a is a, a good use of our time, but also really highlighting the examples of colorism in the media. Other than that, you comparing two black women is exactly what colorism does. <laughs> one one aspect of it. So consider how consider what these terms mean before you just throw them out there and start. I mean, it's good to ask questions. Don't get me wrong. I mean, great for posing questions, but I don't. I, I think that was just we kind of fell short there with understanding what colorism is and the way it operates in our society because Kiki Palmer has been she's 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 been she's been here for a while. She's been doing a thing for a while, and if you are someone who's aware of her career, you know who she is. Yep. And the barriers that she has, you know, broke for black, um, darker skin, specifically black women in the industry, though. You know. If you know, you know. I would say before you try to, to stoke a political debate Ooh, or yes. debate of any kind. Say that. Stoke a political debate. Before you try to do that, do some research. Get some background information. Know before you tweet. Mm-hmm. Know before you tweet. That's all I'm going to say. It seemed to me that that was a call to action. Like she was calling, she was asking like, can we do a deep dive? Can someone do a deep dive? I'm like, why does, why are you asking other people to do that? Why don't you do the you research yourself and tweet. then present the argument to Twitter? Like, hey y'all, do you think that this is an example and maybe she did do something like that. Maybe she did do some research beforehand, yeah, but Kiki obviously I feel like... Get, Kiki had to come and come through and get her together. But she definitely said, you know, the fact that you all are con- uh, think that you can compare me to, to anyone else is an example of colorism. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yep, let them know. So why are we even comparing? Like, why we That's what I've been them? trying to say. Why are we comparing because, because these they both black women amazing talent? We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't really, cons- we don't, we don't compare other groups of women specifically, and I'll say white women specifically, as much as we do black women in the industry. Because black women, it's, it's always so few black women in the industry, and we're always like, this person's supposed to represent black all black people. And I, I, I hate that the pressure that we put on people and the disservice we do to them by doing that. And it's like, so in order for me, and the fact that I'm, I'm supposed to be, you want me to check off all these boxes so you can, why, 
Why can't I just go do this indie movie, give my best performance, be on a positive set, and get my coin? A lot of them say they prefer to do indie movies anyway because they're they're away from the Hollywood machine. All the toxicity right. that comes from being working on a Hollywood project is gone. They can yeah, because in the past they, you had to have there are certain standards you had to adhere to in order for your project to be seen by specific groups of people. Like you, they had mm-hmm. um, moral moral clauses, so there were certain projects that you couldn't act in. And I feel like an actor just wants to utilize these projects as a way to express themselves in their craft. And sometimes and they, they're and they stifled from doing they, that. They don't have to deal with the political the political part of having to be in the Hollywood production. They just want to actors just want to act. They just want to work. And sometimes indie projects is what gives them that. They want to do a TV show for Lifetime because they they are passionate about the script they receive. They're passionate about the message of the project, or they they just love the project itself. Do they care that it's on Lifetime versus it being on ABC Network? No. Do they care what this is going to be an indie movie for Netflix instead of being in the theaters that's going to make billions of dollars? No. I mean, yeah, they want to make some money, but they also, they care about the project more than the recognition or dollar signs that come with it. And sometimes those projects give them, get them the recognition because they put in their best work on that indie project that's like, damn, Damn! Like this or they sh- they showed a very a different side of their acting abilities. Yes, that you know because a lot of directors and producers will look at indie films and pick you know actors who aren't well known for their projects because of their abilities. They just I know I don't, mm, like I said you need you need to know what you're talking about before you start getting on your soapbox. And act like you spitting facts when you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I want to say when I was reading the thread, the girl who made the original tweet did say something about knowing Kiki Palmer and knowing who she, knowing who she was, but she more or less just felt like Kiki Palmer's career wasn't as far along as or successful as Zendaya, and she was thinking colorism was the reason for that. And I'm like, but see, that's how you feel. Oh, Kiki Palmer that's, doesn't. That's Kiki Palmer doesn't feel me. that way. Projection, people thing. projecting. Oh, I hate, I hate a projection. Don't project your shit on me, bitch. I don't. Girl, girl. See, that offends me that's... more. That offends me more than anything. I hate a projector. I hate a, a projector. A projector offends me more than anything else. You can say and do a lot of things to me, but do not project your feelings, your thoughts, your insinuations onto me. We are two different people. What might be sensitive to you is not sensitive to me. Don't don't let me into some shit. I don't got nothing to do with this. Leave me alone. Yeah, and sometimes your your projection of something is is distorted. You know, you have the distorted way of your your perspective is distorted. And maybe Kiki Palmer doesn't base her success on how much money she makes, but by how um what project she works on, what what um. You know what she was able to do with this particular movie that she acted in or project that she worked on. There, there, people measure success in different ways. Right, the opportunity to work with different types of people or different people in the industry. Being on a Jordan Peele set, it 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 was one of the safest sets she's felt she's she's been on. I'm like, that's that's what that's what her goal was. So I guess maybe maybe even our focus really was on just people projecting. That's Um, what it is. It's, it's, I it's, think with a lot with the with these it's projection, yeah. 
and now you want you want to fight. You want everybody to get rah rah and fight based off your projection. Yeah. And, and it's that's... like, girl, I wasn't even thinking this way. Like now, now that it's it's see, it all goes back to you being offended for me when there's nothing for me to be offended for. Like, calm down. You trying to stoke the flame for what? Kiki Palmer, Kiki Palmer, girl, Kiki Palmer, Palmer, keep a job. Mm-hmm. And that's one person I would say she all like I said she always hosting some shit. She always she always in some. Because I'm, I'm looking thing. at her. I'm on her Wikipedia I say the same right thing now. About, when I think about when I think about people who work hard in the industry and who are well known, I think of people like Samuel L. Jackson. You know, I think he's considered one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood. But when you think about all the projects that he's worked on, worked on the mm-hmm. various types of projects that he's because he's, he's been in some Marvel movies. Um, he's been in he's been in. Oh, I, I don't even know where to begin to. Before uh, that, I love Shaft. He, he was the iconic, an iconic version of Shaft, the Shaft. He was in Pulp Fiction. He was I mean, he's been in so many things. And when you think about things. it, his first. His first role in a mainstream movie was a goddamn background character who had two lines. You know what movie that was? No. He was the holdup man in Coming to America. Coming to America? But you said mm-hmm. mainstream. Was Coming to America a mainstream movie? Yes. How, how are you measuring that? Because I thought, of, it, was, I thought it was a black movie. Of, because of Eddie Murphy at the time. No, at that time, Eddie Murphy was on the. Oh shit! You right. I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. I guess because I because it's a predominantly black cast for the mm-hmm. most part. I just anything, assumed that it was anything. See, I just did it myself. I just did what I accuse other yep. people of doing. Of because like a, when it comes to Eddie Murphy, during his first two seasons of Saturday Night Lives, he was not mainstream. He he wasn't. He just he wasn't. He would tell you that. He was a regular mm-hmm. schmegler Saturday Night Live person for those first two seasons he was on. But by the time he did 48 Hours in 82, by the time he did Trading Places in 83, he was the buddy cop or the buddy movie guy. He was bringing in money. So by the time he got to the end of the 80s with Coming to America, that's a mainstream movie. He That movie did... Thirty-six million dollars budget and two hundred, but two hundred eighty-eight point eight two three hundred and fifty million dollars in the box office. Hold on, because I'm actually gonna. I want to use the inflation calculator to mm-hmm. see what that what that's in today's money. So three hundred and fifty dollars, three hundred and fifty million dollars in the box office in nineteen eighty-eight is equivalent to eight hundred and seventy-six million dollars. Today, mm-hmm. so that's almost a billion dollars. Well, today would be a billion dollars almost. Golly, I did not. I, I feel so bad. Forgive me, y'all, for, for not for not knowing that or understanding that. But I just always assumed that that was a predominantly because it was because it had a predominantly black cast. That it wasn't necessarily a movie that a lot of people had seen. Um, but yeah. it this is one example of where where it did so. But that, but that, that, that just goes to show you how we all have our own biases, and we're all, oftentimes we're not necessarily looking at things objectively. But it's not done it's with Ill, Ill intentions. Well, in this case, it definitely wasn't because I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, I have to look at the numbers. Once I looked at the numbers, like I said, oh yeah, definitely. But even see, but see, but I know because 
I don't know if I mentioned on this podcast before, but I am a huge 80s TV show, movies, and, and music person. It Even though you weren't alive during that period. I probably, yep, and I probably seen it. So I, I know anything after Beverly Hills, Hills Cop is mainstream when it comes to Eddie Murphy. Because everyone in the 80s, black, white, in between, I don't care what you was, you you know who Axel Foley is if he was around in the 80s. Wasn't Beverly Hills Cops? That was a, that was a, Successful franchise too, wasn't it? Yep, yep. Three I, movies. I just, we got three I movies. just, I just seen. I saw the first movie for the first time this year because I'd never I seen watched, the Beverly Hills Cops movies. I watched them for the first time, and like I always knew about them, but I didn't watch them for the first time until the pandemic. I watched all three of those. I watched both Forty Eight Hours, and you, you can you can even tell you can you can even tell with Eddie Murphy when he did the first Forty Eight Hours in nineteen eighty two, he was second billing. Nick Nolte was, was, was came first in the credits. Then it was Eddie Murphy. But by mm-hmm. the time it gets to 1989 and we doing another 48 hours, guess who come first? Guess who the biggest star? Guess who the mainstream money draw? It, it, it just shows the shift. Now, anybody else? Now, people who probably don't, oh, I don't like Beverly Hills Cop. I, the Golden Child was bad. That I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. The Golden Child was bad. I, I wouldn't <laughs> watch that. But you know, you, you you seen coming to America, you wouldn't you 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 just because you don't like that person's credits, the movies, that the, the things that they've been in, you you don't like what they've been in, but you still know who they are. You still recognize their face. They're mainstream. I don't like. I don't like Will Ferrell movies. I don't find Will Ferrell funny. But does that mean Will Ferrell ain't mainstream? I don't particularly like find Kevin Hart funny, but I know who the fuck Kevin Hart is. People know who Kevin Hart is. Just because you actively avoid a person's body of work does not mean that they are not mainstream. And I think that's what I was thinking about when that when that person was tweeting about Kiki Palmer. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you probably know of a few projects that she was in, but have you actively sought out to see every other project? I have to look at the original text thread again, because I want to say she did mention that she has been a fan of Kiki Palmer for years and knows a lot of her work, but I think she was mainly basing her assumptions or her, her idea, her, she was mainly basing her point on their net worth. And I was. And I, we already talked about how that those network sites are are not a, not a good source to to base anything off of. They're not always accurate. But is, it, is network a good? It's, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a good indicator. No, because even if it was accurate, is it a good indicator? No, because you you could because for example, Gwyneth Paltrow, she's been in all these big movies. No, she she had she was in the all the Marvel movies. She has a lot of money, but. She still, but she hasn't been in that many projects, really, since the Marvel stuff. And it's not because she got so much money she can just stop acting. It's because don't nobody want to work with her. You get all this money, so that that does that you. But nobody want to work with you. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta name an industry for the wrong reasons. But is that how? Ch- Really? I didn't. I, I mean, I've heard I that she's. People say things about her, but I thought she ha- like she that. has consistently worked over the years, hasn't she? She has, but it's been far and few. People of uh, people of her generation, like Kristen Dunst and all, they 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 have been working more because you also always hear positive behind the scenes things about them. Mm-hmm. But 
Like Gwen Paltrow, mainstream, but compared to other people, like people don't want to work with her. Does that mean she ain't mainstream no more? You just, I don't like, I don't like basing off the monetary intake. I don't think that's a fair assessment, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, the individual money, the individual uh, net worth of the actor, no. But if you're looking at the the cost to make the project and then also mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. the profit of the project was, then yeah, you have to look at the, those are the, probably the but best I also indicators. Like you have to look at the people around, like also in the cast. Because again, Spider-Man, Spider-Man was successful and Zendaya was in it. But that people only went to go watch Spider-Man because what Spider-Man, Spider-Man itself is a name recognition character for Marvel. People then sat through the original trilogy and then we watched the duo. So hell yeah, we was going to watch the new Spider-Man Homecoming. It's fucking Spider-Man. We want to see how this version going to go compared to the two that came before. Also, we all just watched we all just watched um, Tom Holland be Spider-Man for the first time in Civil War. So of course we had to watch the follow-up, but also it's a Marvel movie. People go watch every Marvel movie. Thor 2 sucked ass, but Thor 2 made money. Why? Because it was a Marvel movie. You have, and if you are a Marvel fanatic, you watch every single Marvel movie because you know it's okay. Those around. the Marvel by def by by financial definition, Marvel movies are mainstream. But they are. But how are, many is that? How their fan base is their fan base? Um. Uh. Well, I guess because of the money that they make at the box office, they are appealing to a large group of people. They are. Even know. if you don't like comic books, you you you've seen at least one Marvel movie. Mm, I did for the first time during the pandemic because my fan, my friends found out that I wasn't a Marvel fan, and I'm an exception. Like, no, I'm the exception. I'm not the rule because like <laughs> I live under Black a rock. Black Panther is mainstream. Was he mainstream? Oh wait, recently? I took that back. Mar- Black Panther was my first Marvel movie because I was I, I was, I was supporting. Myself. Yeah, thank you. I forgot. <laughs> I forget. See, I'm still new. I'm still new to all the Marvels. This Marvel stuff. Don't come for me like uh, don't come for me like uh, Meryl Streep did. Uh, oh, girl, and Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> when I, when oh, she said this stuff. But I forgot I about that. I did see that one because I was supporting that one. For the for the culture, though, you have to do it for the culture. I bring up a good point, though, because people, people go on record saying that Black Panther is Marvel's first live screen black superhero movie and that Black Panther is Marvel's first, like, Black, black Panther's the first. But I'm like, um, do y'all not know that Blade is a Marvel superhero comic book character? Mar- is, is he? Yes, Blade was there first. Blade is a Marvel comic book property. And Did I not watched know that. all three of those Marvel, all three of those uh, Wesley Snipe movies, and they was good as fuck. Yes, because Blade is coming back, and, and he, Blade is going to be in the MCU, played by Marshall Ali. Oh, I would love to see that. They already, they already started, they, I think they started filming recently in. The, the, it's already got a release date. Mm-hmm. It's gonna come out within the next two years, I think, by twenty twenty five. So oh, not not that up. far away. So I'm like, Blade was there first, but people don't know Blade because you know generations past. They also don't think because Blade was dark, it had anything. It, it it's Marvel, but I'm like, yeah, but that that was before the MCU established the the lightheartedness of the comic book movies. Mm-hmm. But Blade was there first before Black Panthers. I'm I'm sorry to break it to you, people. 
But Blade is, Blade is a recognizable name. He is mainstream. Yeah. Is he though? But either way, our point, our moral of our topic was know what the fuck you talking about and don't be projecting your feelings and your insinuations and everything on other people before you actually know what's going on. And put some respect opinion. on Kiki Palmer's name. <laughs> she already told them that girl. She she she, she already did. told them that. And I'm mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm mm-hmm. here for it. Cause she was ready to hop through that through that Twitter and whoop that person's ass. Ask about me, that's what I read. Right. <laughs> oh damn. But thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope y'all enjoyed our topic, even though we didn't really stay on uh, we were all over the much. place as usual. <laughs> yeah, that makes it great. That makes it great, you know. But thank you guys so much. Goodbye. Take care, everyone. Should we do an intro?